Hello and welcome to another episode of Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm David. And I am Scott. And you're listening to episode number 54 as we move through Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And so, Scott, can you catch us up to where we've where we've been the last last episode? Absolutely. So, the last episode we left off with the the device of Satan to say that uh, actually Brooks says it this way: presenting to the soul the best men's sins and by hiding from the soul their virtues, by showing the soul their sins and hiding from their souls the sorrows and repentance. In other words, he's he's talking about the fact that. Sometimes we can look at these people in the Bible who have committed great sins. So he references the impatience of Job. I kind of Mm. made a big deal about that one. Or uh, the adultery of David or things like that. He says, we can be prone to look at them and go, well, those men sinned. Well, of course, so am I. And use that then as it's, it's a device of the enemy then to use it as a means by which we would excuse our sins. It's almost like kind of similar to Romans 6, which by the time of this podcast, we should be somewhere around in there, mm-hmm. uh, which says, well, you know, should we sin so that grace may abound? And very particularly, they're asking that question, well, should we sin so that grace may abound? Looking at the saints of the Bible and saying, well, these people sins and grace abounded for them. Surely if I sin, mm-hmm. then grace would abound for me too, which is an, a nefarious, very dangerous sort of temptation because we feel like it gives us a pass that these awesome men of God send. So, of course, I'm going to send. Yeah. So, so that's where, we're, where we are. And, uh, and we, we just finished that first remedy, uh, which, which was note that these men that you're pointing out in the Bible, they repented. Yeah. Right? Because if they were sitting here, they would tell you, don't do this. Don't yeah. do this the way that I did it. And so yeah. now we're headed into the second remedy. Yeah. I, I, I still, the phrase still sticks out from, from last week. If you sin like David or Peter or Job, yeah. you must also repent, repent like, like David, David and Peter or Job. Or Job. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you, if you cannot repent like these men, you should not sin like these men. Yes. Very good. So, That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's dive into remedy number two. Great. The second remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that these saints did not make a trade of sin. They fell once or twice and rose by repentance that they might keep the closer to Christ forever. They fell accidentally, occasionally, and with much reluctancy. And thou sinnest presumptuously, obstinately, readily, delightfully, and customarily. Thou hast by thy making a trade of sin contracted upon thy soul a kind of cursed necessity of sinning that thou canst as well cease to be or cease to live as thou canst cease to sin. Sin is by custom become as another nature to thee which thou canst not, which thou wilt not lay aside though thou knowest that if thou doest not lay sin aside, God will lay thy soul aside forever. Though thou knowest that if sin and thy soul do not part, Christ and thy soul can never meet. If thou wilt make a trade of sin and cry out, Did not David sin thus, and Noah sin thus, and Peter sin thus? No, their hearts turned aside to folly one day, but thy heart turns aside to folly every day. Oh, come on now. 
And when they were fallen, they rise by repentance and by the actings of faith upon a crucified Christ. But thou fallest and hast no strength nor will to rise, but wallowest in sin and wilt eternally die in thy sins unless the Lord be more merciful to thy soul. Dost thou think, O soul, this is good reasoning? Such a one tasted poison but once, and yet narrowly escaped, but I do daily drink poison, yet I shall escape. Yet such is the mad reasoning of vain souls. David and Peter sinned once foully and fearfully. They tasted poison but once, and were sick to death, but I taste it daily, and yet shall not taste of eternal death. Remember, O oh souls, that the day is at hand when self-flatterers will be found self-deceivers, yea, self-murderers. Man. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I'm thinking of an illustration, and it was, it was some years ago where there was a, a pretty solid expositional Bible teacher that was invited to speak at a conference um, at a church that was very unlike... Uh, the way he preached. It was very borderline prosperity gospel church. And he mm. stands up and he starts giving this story about how we like to put ourselves in the position of David and we're mm. we're the heroes and we just mm-hmm. got to get our stones and slay our giants. Oh, yeah. And he says in that sermon exactly what I think Thomas Brooks is saying here, which is, you're not, not David. David. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. Think, I think the overall thrust of what Brooks is saying is, Keep in mind who you are and why you are doing this, because you're trying to, we're trying to, the enemy is, is, is tempting us to justify our sinful behaviors by looking at the, the once occasion of a man whose life was patterned by godliness. Mm. But Brooks is saying, but that's not your situation here. Your <laughs> life is not patterned with godliness. You're looking for excuses to sin, not ways to get out of sinning. Mm. And, and so he's, He's intentionally putting us in a very different category from a David or a Peter or a Job. Oh, yeah. In order to show us, you know, that, that all of this is, as he says, the mad reasoning of vain souls. Of vain souls. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the, the classic. I've heard this so many times. When you warn people of the dangers of sin and you warn them of the fact that they're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go deeper than you ever thought. And they say, well, that won't happen to me. Me. And that is step one of self-deception, which he says that ultimately leads to self-murder. Yeah, you know, and and I think I think that's just so profound. Yeah, I think his illustration of sin as poison oh, is man. so so accurate. Yes, you know to, and and he 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 says it so well. You know, these men drank poison once and were sick unto death. Yeah, but I. Can drink poison daily and not feed and not suffer eternal death. It's like and you just you just hear that and you go, oh my goodness. Have you ever seen the Princess Bride? I have, but it's been a while. Okay, so it's like we think we're the Dread Pirate Roberts and we can just drink <laughs> a little bit of Iocane powder every day. Yeah, and become immune to and it. and become immune to but it. But not yeah. only are you not David, you're also not, <laughs> not the Dread, Dread Pirate, Pirate Roberts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this warning. It's the you know that he's just, you know, as soon as we it. it what he's doing is striking at the root of this thing. That ultimately, to say that, to say, well, these men were saved by grace, is a is an attempt to justify 
our behaviors, to yes. justify ourselves before we've ever even sinned, sometimes after, but often before. before we have sinned, to justify those things. And he's just kind of nipping it in the bud. That was that's a great paragraph. That's yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if he has any more remedies, Dave. Indeed. Remedy number three. Wow. The third remedy Here against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that though God doth not, nor never will disinherit his people for their sins, yet he hath severely punished his people for their sins. David sins. And God breaks his bones for his sin. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And because thou hast done this, the sword shall never depart from thy house to the day of thy death. Though God will not utterly take them, take from them his loving kindness, nor suffer his faithfulness to fail, nor break his covenant, nor alter the thing that is gone out of his mouth, yet will he visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. The scripture abounds with instances of this kind. This is so known a truth among all that know anything of truth that to cite more scriptures to prove it would be to light a candle to see the sun at noon. Ah, that's a great that's analogy. That's a great sentence. Oh, I love that. I'm going to read that one again. This yeah. is so known a truth among all that know anything of truth that to cite more scriptures to prove it would be to light a candle to see the sun at noon. I'm going to use that. that that's going to end up in the sermon at mm. some point. That's fantastic. All right. So he continues. The Jews have a proverb that there is no punishment comes upon Israel in which there is not one ounce of the golden calf, meaning that there was so great a sin as that in every plague God remembered it, that it had an influence into every trouble that befell them. Every man's heart may say to him in his sufferings as the heart of Apollodorus in the kettle, I have been the cause of this. God is most angry when he shows no anger. God, keep me from this mercy. This kind of mercy is worse than all other kinds of misery. Okay, there's more to say, but that is a great sense that I feel like we need to explain. Uh So he says, God is most angry when he shows no anger. That, you know, because I'm baking in the book of Romans and have Mm -hmm. been for some three years now, I immediately think of Romans one, where when it's, when when he's when Paul is describing God's judgment, he says, "Therefore God gave them over, yes, to the dishonoring their bodies among themselves. God gave them up to lustful passions. God gave, and since they did not, since you know, they, their their minds were depraved and they did not see fit to acknowledge God, He gave them over. Like you know, you have these passages where it's the greatest judgment of God that He doesn't discipline. Mm-hmm. He just kind of lets, lets you go." Them. Okay. What a terrifying thought. Man, that is yeah. that is helpful. Yeah. Mm. That is helpful because it, it can be tempting for us to look around and not see the anger of God being poured out on these folks, or at least to think that we're not seeing it. Yeah. And and wonder, you know, how did these people sin so much and yet all these good things come upon them? Yeah. And at the same time, their ability to sin so much is actually... A judgment. God's judgment on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scariest thing in the world is for God to give you over to exactly what you want. Yeah. Without changing your desires. Yeah. I Ooh. mean, that's 
That's why he says, God, keep me from this mercy. This kind of mercy is worse, is worse than all the kinds of misery. Than all their kinds of misery. Yeah, this is great. Okay. One writing, uh, so Brooks continues on. One writing to a sick friend hath this expression. I account it a part of unhappiness not to know adversity. I judge you to be miserable because you have not been miserable. It is a mercy that our affliction is not execution, but a correction. He hath, he that hath deserved hanging may be glad if he escape with a whipping. Hmm. God's corrections are our instructions. His lashes are lessons. His scourges are schoolmasters. His chastisements are advertisements. And to, and to note this, both the Hebrews and the Greeks express Chastening. chastening and teaching by one and the same word. Mm. Because the latter is the true end of the former. According to that in the proverb, smart makes wit and vexation gives understanding. Whence Luther fitly calls affliction the Christian man's divinity. So saith Job, God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth not, perceiveth it not. In a dream and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. When Satan shall tell thee of other men's sins to draw thee to sin, do thou... Then think of the same men's sufferings to keep thee from sin. Lay thy hand upon thy heart and say, O my soul, if thou sinnest with David, thou must suffer with David. Boy, that's a good word. Mm. Yeah, we don't like to think about passages in the Bible like those whom I love, I discipline. Yes. We, We just don't. We don't. But the reality of the fact is, it is an evidence of the love of God that he does discipline us for our for our sin. For we do something stupid. And sometimes that discipline is just letting us deal with the consequences mm-hmm. of our own foolishness and mm-hmm. sin. Sometimes. Sometimes there's an added weight. You know, at a minimum, at a minimum, the wages of sin is death. And that works itself out in any number of ways, even in the Christian life, where at a, at, you know, I, I think at a bare minimum, the the Christian experience is a distance from God. Just because of that sin that's just sitting there wedged between you and he, because he's not going to tolerate the presence of sin. And and you will feel that. You will feel that separation from him. You can't both love your sin and love Jesus at the same time. It's it's impossible. Yeah, no man can serve two masters, right? And so 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 that that alone in the Christian heart that's been converted, that's received the gospel and has grown in grace and gratefulness for what Christ has done, that should be at least Partly sufficient mm. to keep us from sin. But then he says, by the way, these things are going to happen in your life. And I know these things are going to happen in your life because do me a favor, if you will, and look back at these saints again and see what happened to them. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, it, it didn't work out well. <laughs> it, it really good. didn't. I mean, you know, can you imagine being, let's just take Peter. Can you imagine being Peter, having mm. rejected the Lord three times mm. and then having to, to stew in that? You know, to, to flee the scene, 
to be separated from the Jesus that you had devoted your life to and said, I will go with you to death. Mm-hmm. To see Christ crucified and buried and all you've got is silence of knowing that you did exactly what the master said you were going to do. And it was sin that you did it. Mm. And now you are feeling this separation. Now, from that comes a glorious redemption, you know, of, of Jesus on the beach with Peter saying, yeah. feed my sheep. I, I get that. But that affliction. And, by the way, even even when he was, you know, if you look at the end of John, even when Jesus is talking to Peter then, he's telling him, you're going to die and you're going to suffer and die, by the way. Yes. And so, you know, even in Peter's life, there was still continued suffering. Oh, yeah. And there's this measure where that is part of the evidence of the fact that God loves us because he uses the crucible of suffering to conform us to the image of Christ. Yeah. But let's not overwish that on ourselves by just <laughs> by just carrying on with whatever sin we want to commit. Yes. yes. And, and that's his point. Like, you're going to suffer. There's a reality to that. Suffering is the crucible by which sanctification happens. But it's foolishness. To seek it out. Yeah. And, and the best way to seek out foolish suffering mm-hmm. is to sin. Yeah. That's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a Christian's relationship to suffering described as uh, a soldier's relationship to war. Mm-hmm. Not that they seek it out. Not that they want any part of it. But when it comes, they know what to do with it. That is so good. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good. Yeah. They, our our, our we know that there are good things that happen in the midst of suffering. We know that suffering has a purpose, but we don't seek it out. We know how to, the, the scriptures give us tools and ways to handle it, ways mm-hmm. to move through it, but we, we, don't, we don't need to go looking for it. Yes. Yeah, there's no extra prize in heaven for being martyred, right? Like, no. It, it's, it, it, if you are, if you suffer and die for the sake of the gospel, then praise the Lord. You know, I mean, you are one of those who, you know, of whom the world was not worthy. Yes. That's one thing. But to go seeking it. That's that's a different thing. And to go seeking it by sinning <laughs> is a whole, a whole different thing. thing. So let's just not do that. Yes. Right? It looks yes. like we got one more remedy. Let's hit that one. Let's and we'll, we'll be on to device number five. Indeed. Remedy number four. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that there are but two main ends of God's recording of the falls of his saints. And the one is to keep those from fainting, sinking, and despair under the burden of their sins, who fall through weakness and infirmity. And the other is that their falls may be as landmarks Mm. to warn others that stand, to take heed lest they fall, if never entered into the heart of God to record his children, it never entered into the heart of God to record his children's sins, that others might be encouraged to sin, but that others might look to their standings and hang the faster upon the skirts of Christ mm. and avoid all occasions and temptations that may occasion the soul to fall, as others have fallen when they have been left by Christ. The Lord hath made their sins as landmarks to warn his people to take heed how they come near those sands and rocks, those snares and baits that have been fatal to the choicest treasures, 
to wit the joy, peace, comfort, and glorious enjoyments of the bravest spirits and noblest souls that ever sailed through the ocean of this sinful, troublesome world. As you may see in David, Job, and Peter, there is nothing in the world that can so notoriously cross the grand end of God's recording of the sins of his saints than for any from thence to take encouragement to sin. And wherever you find such a soul, you may write him Christless, graceless, a soul cast off by God, a soul that hath, that Satan hath by the hand, and the eternal God knows whither he will lead him. Yeah. So, in other words, if you, you see recorded in God's holy word these men sinning, it's not so that you would sin. Yes. <laughs> it's so that you won't. If I'm, if I'm approaching a cliff and it says, danger, cliff ahead, do not jump off or you will die. Yeah. And I then go, huh, you know what I think I'm going to do? A jump. I'm going to jump and see what happens. Yeah, the person who put that sign there did not put it there so that, so you, that would you, would, you would know where the cliff is to go find a good jumping spot. Or, for what it's worth, so that you would see how close to the cliff you could get without Before jumping. jumping. Yes, yes. The, the person who put that sign there wanted neither of those things to, to occur. Happen. Yeah, And so, the Lord does not put the, the failure of David in the Scriptures so that we will then say, oh, I can feel like that. That seems like a great idea. Because the whole story that the Chronicler puts there is what? Look at what happened to his life. Yes. Look at what happens here. There's this crescendo in the life of David mm-hmm. where things just, I mean, he is he is beset for the rest of his life with misery. Yes. I mean, truly. He is a, he is a man of sorrows because of his self-inflicted sorrow, because of his own decisions. And, yes. and as what we said last week, were he here, that's what he would say. Don't do this. Don't do don't, this. don't even get near this. You know, don't don't even, you know, are you tempted? Stop. I mean, look, at, look at me. Just look at what happened. Yeah. Let's just do a case study. Start at this point of this sin that you think you're tempted to commit mm. and just look forward to see how the rest of my life worked out. Mm-hmm. Because it was divisive, it was it was civil war, yeah. it was mutiny, it was I mean just over and over again so much difficulty that could have been avoided, mm-hmm. could have been avoided. Yeah, and so David wants us to see that. So that's exactly what Brooks is saying, man. Look, you you, you cannot look at this and say, "Ooh, I should sin." And if you do, he calls you a, a, a person who is Christless graceless, a soul cast off by God. And this one, a soul that Satan hath by the hand. Mm. And the eternal God knows whether he will lead them. In other words, if you're looking around looking for an excuse to sin, Mm. Satan's got you by the hand. Got you by the hand. And he is looking for an opportunity to devour you because that is his full intention. Yeah. And that would be a terrifying prospect. And the good news of the gospel is that when we see this, when a writer like Brooks can speak into our lives and we go, oh, and that's what I was doing, or or you know, or I see someone in my life that this is what they're doing. Well, now we know how to pray for them. Mm. You know, now we know this is what's happening. This is the result of this. This is how we should pray. This is how we should speak to them. This is how we should plead with them mm-hmm. because this does not end well for anyone. Yeah. So, which is the great value of this book, right? Is he's helping us to see the enemy strategy for what it is mm-hmm. because it is highly effective. Yes. And, and, and it's because he's had thousands of years of practice. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we need to be aware of it 
the good news is the word and truth that we have is more timeless than the practices of the evil one. And if we will simply do what the word says, mm. then we can resist temptation. Yeah. Good section. That was that was an yeah that was that an was an, ex- that was an exceptionally. This whole book has been good. That one was exceptionally good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. All right. Well, we'll hit the next device next time, and we'll keep rolling. But thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate it. We 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 hear the words of encouragement from the folks who are listening and people who are coming alongside, telling us they're enjoying this, and we appreciate that. We love doing it. We have a good time doing it. But we are we're grateful that others benefit from this. If you do us a favor, share this with your friends. Have them give it a listen. See if maybe it's a benefit to them as well. We would greatly appreciate that. And we will talk again next week. Goodbye.